Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Turn it up. Hey, guys, before we get into the episode, I just want to let you know I'm going to be playing down voicemail messages on a future episode of Talking Metal. So call me right now and leave a message, and I will play it and talk to you about whatever your comments are on a future edition of Talking Metal coming up real soon within the next couple weeks. The number to call me at is 973-757-1917. That's 973-757-1917. Also, follow me on Twitter. Two accounts going. We've got at Striegel, S-T-R-I-G-L, and at Talking Metal. All right, cool. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, and that song you heard right there was Rob Halford, Metal Mike, the great Roy Z, doing the Talking Metal theme song. And you know, in the intro, I always say it's written by those guys, but it's obviously played by those guys too. So I probably should have said written and performed by... Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roisey, um, because obviously that is them playing that song. It comes from the uh, the Fuse TV show that we did. They wrote that song for us. Then Fuse got in a little spat with uh, Rob Halford's manager, so we ended up only using it, I believe, in one of the the like eight shows, which is unfortunate because it was a great song. And you know what? We use it here because we don't give a shit here on Talking Metal. And uh, big thanks to Rob Halford and Metal Mike for doing that for us. Uh, and sorry that it 
ended in a little spat between uh, the manager, who has since been fired by Rob Halford, and Fuse over literally like a couple couple grand. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's the story with that song. And I, I need to change these intros up. I'm kind of sick of that intro myself. I'm sure most people just uh, fast forward through it. One thing I'm not sick of is this song right here. It's called Which Way to Radio Land by Sean Baker. We're going to check it out here on Talking Metal. We're going all over the uh, the place uh, as far as our metal di- diversity goes, our hard rock diversity goes today. We got John Garcia from Caius. He's going to be cha- talking with us. We got, we got John Bush from Armored Saint. He'll be talking with us, so stay tuned for those new interviews here on Talking Metal. And again, right now, this is Which Way to Radioland by Sean Baker.
back with Armored Saint. This is Can You Deliver, a little vintage old school Armored Saint. I bought this record at a strip mall in LaGrange, Illinois. I had, uh, I believe I'd seen the video for this song, I believe, on somewhere weird like Friday Night Videos or MV60 or something in the Chicagoland area. Went out, checked out the album cover, looked cool enough. And uh, that was it. I bought it and I loved it. And I especially loved the Delirious Nomad record, which are my friends when I was in high school. They actually bought that for me for my birthday, which was very cool. And it meant a lot because, uh, you know, I didn't get a lot of I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. And I, I thought it was very cool that they, they bought me that record. And I just loved the Delirious Nomad record in, in a lot of ways. I liked it better than than the uh, the March of the Saint record, the first record. But um, anyways, this is off that first record. This is Can You Deliver by Armored Saint. And then we will hear from John Bush from Armored Saint. He, uh, he gave me a call the other night, and it was great to talk with him. So here we go.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal and calling in on the line. We have John Bush from Armored Saint. John, how are you? What's up, Mark? How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to talk with you tonight and very excited because we have on February 24th coming out on Metal Blade, the new live record, which you just told me how to pronounce it. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Want me to say it again? Yeah, say it again. <laughs> say it again. I, I don't even know if my Latin is, uh, is proper, but it's Carpe Noctum. Carpe. Seize the night. Okay, cool. And let's talk a little bit about the record. I heard a couple clips off of it, which sounded great. I heard Aftermath and, and March of the Saint um, on YouTube. Uh, it's it's an album and a DVD, I, I'm, I'm told, right? Um, well, I know we have some live videos that are, are part of it, but I don't know if it's an actual combination of okay. package as far as for sale. So some of the DVD, uh, the videos are available um, eventually to see. For instance, I just saw the last train home clip, and it looks great. And um, we've already released Aftermath as well. Um, so, but it's not a that's not part of the package, to my knowledge, at least. Um, it's just a live record. Right. Okay. I got you. Cool. So, what other songs can we expect? We Aftermath. Um, well, there's Aftermath, uh, which was actually the first video that we did, and um, then there's um, March of the Saint, which also came out and or is coming out. Um, some of it, it was kind of we kind of gave it to um, some of the people who were part of our our pledge campaign, and they were right. able to see it first. Um, and then Last Train Home, uh, we also have uh, the song Win Hands Down and also Mess from the last record. Cool. So that's five. Um, and let me see, and I'm, I'm going over it in my head now. Right. Oh, Stricken by Fate, which is a classic Armored Saint song from the very beginning, from March of the Saints. So that's six. Um, we also have Left Hook from Right Field. And um, the eighth song is Rain of Fire. So nice. um, there's eight tracks on it. Um, which some people have complained is not enough, and uh, we understand that. But uh, the the philosophy behind um, the the small amount of songs is that it really was never meant to be a live record. Actually, we what we did was we we had a couple recordings and we we were releasing them for these uh, this pledge music campaign that we did that basically helped us um, do the Queen's Right tour that we just finished in November and December, and um, and then once we we put that out to them and to the to the pledge members and we realized well everybody should hear this because it sounds great we're super proud of it and uh you know it's an armored saint live record uh, it heard in the the most proper of sense so um then that's when we put it out so yes it'd be great to have more tracks and i'm i'm fully in agreement with that but um you know, some of the songs that we had, uh, the recordings, because it was only from two, we just kind of felt like they weren't maybe up to snuff as far as our individual performances. So we, we said, well, these are the ones. So right. Got you. We, cool. didn't have like, we didn't have like 10 shows to, to base it on, and, you know, it was really two. And if, if there was some flubs and things that weren't just, you know, not quite up to, uh, like I said, up to snuff, we didn't want to put them out. So. Gotcha. And, and so it's the, the songs are pulled from two, two different shows? Two different shows, the Wacken Festival in uh, in Germany and also a club show that we did in the city called Aschaffenburg. 
Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Well, we're looking forward to hearing it, and we'll have it yeah. linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. It's it sounds out. awesome. We're yeah. real proud of it. It's you know we we try to make a live record that sounded like all of the vintage live records that we grew up on, like Strangers at Night, UFO, and Priest Unleashed in the East, and Kiss Alive, and you know those are like the classic live records. Thin Lizzy Live and Dangerous, you know, as far as we're concerned. So right. I think we finally kind of hit it. Like I'm real proud of the the performances on this. Cool. What's the process in recording a live record? Do you bring all the individual tracks back and then mix it in, in Pro Tools, I'm assuming, or something like uh, that? Yeah, pretty much. You know, you there's uh, you, you just, I mean, Joey mixed it, which he's, he's an awesome engineer, really, in, in all ways. And, um, you know, he had uh, some work cut out for him and making sure that, you know, some of the levels were right. And uh, it's live. So, you know, you got things that are kind of, loose and, and armored saying it's a loose band as it is i mean we really are which i think it's you know at this point it's a cool aspect because yeah. everything is so perfect and we're we're not but yeah. um i think that's what makes it sound live and raw and real and um so you know there's a there's a little bit of uh joey's magicianship that is uh involved in making it all work but he, he did a great job yeah, definitely the tracks i heard sounded very full and awesome and again February 24th, uh, the new live Armored Saint record will be out on Metal Blade. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago, I guess middle of 2015, that you guys just put out just a great studio record, which was your first album back since 2010, Win Hands Down. Uh, I would suppose it's probably too early to think about another studio record. Is that correct? (laughs) Well, it would be when we're... When we're talking about Armored Saint, I guess, and yeah. we, we don't move in the, the most rapid of ways. Um, but, you know, it, it's in my mind. I'm sure it's in Joey's mind. I'm sure it's in the other guy's mind. Um, we were extremely proud of When Hands Down. We think we made a really great record that Definitely. sounds like a classic Armored Saint record, but at the same time, it sounds like a, a record that's modern as well and, and came out now instead of 1987. So um, we're real proud of that. And, um, you know, we would love to kind of continue on with that kind of vibe. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've said this on a couple of occasions that for us, it's, I'd rather make a record and have a bunch of great songs and have that be the catalyst to do something. Um, contrary to, uh, we got a, you know, we got a, some momentum and we, you know, we're doing well and we've just did a bunch of tours and probably the more, most dates that we've done in years, so let's put on another record so we can keep doing that. That's right. that to me would be the wrong um, approach for Armored Saint. You know, certainly that might work for certain bands, and and you know I get it because these days touring is, is is you know one one of the best ways and and kind of one of the few ways that people can make money. But um, for us, it's it's more about making a quality record, and and then once we do that, then you know the show aspect of it is like, hey, we can go, let's go play some gigs now, kind of thing. So that's really the the primary objective, um, and I think that if we feel like we have a good idea for a for a record and, and have some great ideas, um, then then we could do that. And that's kind of where my mind is. I haven't really worked on anything. I don't know if Joey has, um, honestly. Um, but, you know, I certainly, if we we're going to make a record, I think that, you know, unfortunately time is not completely on our side in right. terms of waiting around because, you know, 
I make the joke like singing Rain of Fire when I'm in my mid sixties might be a tall order. <laughs> yeah. It's it is now, you know, in my yeah. early fifties. So it's not like I want to really wait around too long and do things. Although we could continue to just play shows, and we certainly have a large catalog of songs that we can that we can dive into and, and mix up our set. So it's not like the same old story because I hate that. But um, you know, if if we can come up with a cool vibe and, and and some some great song ideas for a record, then sure, I want to make a record. Um, you know, I think we just have to have, probably have the discussion about it. Um, and and see if, if there's something churning there. Right. Um, I don't want to overthink it, and I don't also want to, um, you know, sit around and kind of be meticulous about what we're going to do because that's that's not really our way either. But I do think it you know merits a conversation at least, and 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 come up with something that we think is uh, maybe the direction if right. we're going to do it. Cool. Cool. Now, you know, Joey stays busy with a, a lot of other stuff like ba- other bands and recording and stuff when he, Armored Saint is not active. Uh, what what stuff keeps you busy when, when you're not doing Armored Saint? Um, well, um, as unexciting as it may sound to the, um, to the average metal music fan, um, I, uh, I have a business that I have with my wife where I'm uh, involved in as a casting studio that, we, that she's had for years, and I've also kind of involved myself in it well, for a long time now. But um, uh, that's it. You know, we do that, and um, it's, it's a good little mom-and-pop business that helps kind of pay the bills and uh, have fun and have a nice life. And um, I'm also a father, and I'm pretty involved in my kid's life. And, um, cool. Sometimes I'm just driving my kids to hockey, you know, yeah. <laughs> so um, still cranking rock and, and playing, you know, cool music, especially for my kids, because they, you know, I try to I try to make sure that they listen to the, the proper music, in my right. opinion. So cool. uh, <clears throat> not get them exposed to some of the awful pop music that an eight, you know, a nine and 12 year old might listen to or be exposed to. But, um, you know, we do that and. Um, you know, I've pretty much at this point given most of my um, musical attention to Armored Saint. Right. Okay. And when you say casting company, so you're providing like like actors to 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 movies and commercials and stuff. It's like primarily that? commercials. Um, we you know we cast uh, actors. We you know we get hired by a production company or ad agencies, and then they they say this is what we need for a commercial that we're going to make for you know whatever Nissan and. And then my wife is the casting director, and I assist her, and then work for other people there, and and other casting st- uh, directors work out of it as well. So um, the not- actors come in, you know, and audition for it, and that's the kind of the beginning process of how commercials are made. Right on. Um, you know, I I have Spotify, and uh, I wanted to ask you. I use it all the time. Every day, I'm listening to Spotify. I have a couple questions about Spotify for you. I noticed all the Anthrax stuff with with you. The stuff with Joey's on there, but the the John Bush era Anthrax stuff sadly is not on Spotify. Any any idea why? Um. Well, I don't know. None of it is. No, nothing. None of it. Nothing. Is. Nothing. Huh. And all the Joey stuff is there. But right. you go on iTunes, you can download it on iTunes. Right. Like right. your stuff is on iTunes, but not on Spotify. Um, I I don't have an answer for that. Um, yeah. you know, the first two records when we basically got the masters back from Electra, um, that was part of the deal upon leaving, and um, those records are kind of licensed as as we go kind of thing, and um. 
that's why there's sometimes an area of kind of uncertainty with those. Um, and then the, the volume eight record was also a record that you know, at the time we were together with a, a record company that's called ignition that, you know, is no longer in business. So that's kind of a gray area as well. The we've come for you all record came out, um, nuclear blast. So I don't, you know, they're a functioning label. So, right. um, it should be available through that. But uh, you know, some of the, some of the, ways our our records have been handled in anthrax as far as um you know having them properly licensed and everything is is just kind of i don't know it's not not happening as as you can see and i would love to have those records be available i mean like they are on itunes like we said if i go to amoeba records and i go through the anthrax you know section i i i never see any of the records i've made Right. Um, quite honestly, which is, you know, disheartening. So I'm really proud of those albums, and I think we made some great music, and Definitely. I certainly would like them to be available for people to check out. Um, like you said, on iTunes, you can you can download them um, or purchase them. Um, but I don't know. I don't know why that's that. that's the, the case, and that's, that's, that's not the most uh, positive thing if right. it's not there. That's a bummer. <laughs> what what about Spotify in general? Do you think it's it's hurting the music business? Do you think it's a good thing? Um, you know, the whole streaming thing, I don't know that much about it. I know that, you know, I got a present uh, for the holidays for, you know, the Alexa thing and 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 we use it in our house and you know, Alexa play Armored Saint, you know, whatever. So I mean, not that I'm doing that. I don't. Right. I'm not that narcissistic. But, <laughs> right. um, but um, you know, I I was talking to Brian Slagle not that long ago, and he said that he feels like the whole streaming thing with music is going to eventually work itself out, and that's coming from him, who you know stands to lose with some of this stuff, and and certainly with the record sales uh, declining as they have. Um, but he seemed pretty optimistic that there that it's it's not that far around in the future that they're going to iron it all out and people will be, um, you know, getting properly paid for this because, you know, quite frankly, the music business is just, it's been just hurt so poor badly. It's it's, it's been awful for it. And, And especially for artists and, um, you know, even labels and, you know, you name it, you know, it's just been a mess. So, um, I hope they fix it because, you know, I don't really think, that I mean, if they don't, I don't see how people would eventually continue making music because you know it costs money to make a product. It, right, you know, sure. this isn't something you just are, you know, churning out in in the you know in the middle of uh, you know, the world here in this digital kind of limbo world. It's it it takes effort and it costs money to to do this, even if at the most simplistic of ways, you know, home studio and. You know, you can do things like that, and it's great, and 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 just kind of put it on to stream, and and you know, that's it's great. But at some point, if you're not earning something for it, it's it's just a big nothingness, and um and that's a drag. So, um, you know, I see royalties, and you know, I get statements, and believe me, sometimes it's uh, it's a drag when you see like. Two cents and three right. cents, you know, it's like, okay, great. So, um, and I know that it should be bigger than that. It should be because there's definitely lots of ways that people are able to access music and 
I know they're listening to my music. Maybe not on Spotify, the Anthrax records, but in right. other ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Right um, you know, I hope they they fix it and they work it out, and um, it would be nice. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, Armored Sane and, and so many other bands were a part of that L.A. metal scene, the early L.A. metal scene back in the, the 1980s. You know, and, and a lot of times when we think of that scene, we think of Rad and, and Motley Crue. And, but you guys were there too, and I was wondering if you have any memories that you could share from, from that scene back in the day before it kind of blew up and, and there were just, you know, millions of kids coming in from all over the country, uh, you know, when it was a little more intimate, maybe back in the very early eighties, what was, what was the scene like in, in general terms? Well, it was awesome. It was, uh, I'm super happy to be associated with that time. Cause I think it was a, a real special time in, in heavy metal and, um, you know, L.A. in the 82, 83, 84, at least when we were a club band, um, was awesome. You know, we played with a lot of amazing bands who uh, went on. Most of them had record deals, and most of them did well with their record deals. You know, everyone from Rat, like you said, to Gray White, to, to you know, Quiet Riot, to, um, you know, Steeler, to... Wine, uh, excuse me, uh, black and blue. You know, it was there's countless bands. Malice. I mean, almost everybody that came through L.A. at some way, in some way or another, had a record deal and and had some kind of fame. Obviously, some are, were bigger than others, of course. But um, it was great. You know, we we were part of that scene. And even though you know most of our influence was a little bit heavier and a little bit more based on on European bands that we really were inspired by at the time. We still were in L.A., and we still were proud to be from L.A., and, um, you know, we played with all those bands, and all those bands and us got along very well, and we had great shows together, and, um, you know, we played the Troubadour countless times. That was still, to this day, is one of my favorite clubs in L.A., the Country Club, which was out in the Valley that had, you know, had amazing shows, which I actually saw Anthrax playing with Raven, you know, you know, with... Neil Turbin back in 19, I guess it was 84, wow. 83. Um, we played there with Metallica, you know, when the when Kill Them All was released. Just so many people, so many bands, so many cool venues, the Roxy. Um, we used to make our own flyers. I used to have a job at the home office at public storage, you know, the, 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 the main office of all the public storage sites. And so I had access to this really giant Xerox machine at the time, and we would just make, I mean, I probably could get, well, that's not going to matter now, of course, right. but um, I would make, we'd make thousands of flyers, you know, yeah, and wow. uh, for all our shows. And we, Dave Pritchard, you know, he was such an awesome artist as well as a great, great guitar player, and he would make these incredible flyers with pictures on it that had drawings at the same time. They were just really weird and unusual especially for the flyers that were made at the time by other bands and we would just we would just pass them out everywhere and we were all into doing that and um there's plenty of times that we went to the troubadour where you you parked across the street uh where most people did to go to the troubadour and there was times where we would go into that parking garage and everyone was partying in there wow. there was times where we would just not even go to the gig yeah. there was it wasn't our gig it was like somebody else's gig but we, you know, and our objective was to pass out flyers and to kind of, you know, do some schmoozing or whatever. And, you know, we were partying and having a great time. And those times we didn't even make it into the club. We were just taking it in the parking garage. Wow. So I have fond memories of that. And, cool. 
um, it was a great time. It was an awesome time. And uh, sometimes I think Armored Saints, <laughs> most organic circumstances when we were our own manager and we were our own band and before, you know, we were with Chrysalis Records and, you know, just kind of our world. And it's, um, you know, then, then of course, you know, you get it. You get a record deal, and you get an agent, and you get all these things, and you know, of course, that's those are uh, pivotal moments and big steps in your life. But um, sometimes I think when we had it just ourselves, it was probably the best as far as it just being the truest. Right. So. Cool. Cool. Great stuff. One last question for you. You know, uh, you mentioned Dave, and of course, you lost Dave sadly back in I think 1992, leukemia, leukemia and Jeff. Duncan joined after that, but really, that's the only, I believe, the only lineup change you've you've ever had. And and how how do you guys make it work? How do you stay together for so long? I mean, there's so many bands out there now where you have the drummer is the only guy, or there's one person in the band. Yeah, what what makes it work with you guys? Well, um, you know, Phil did leave after Delirious Nomad. He was part of the writing process, and then after that record was out during the recording, he left. And then, of course, Phil came back on Symbol. And um, and Jeff was part of the writing process of Symbol, and then kind of left, and then came back. And um, so that was a little bit of a weird area as far as his uh, early associations with Armored Saint, although Jeff played in Odin, and Odin opened for Armored Saint as a troubadour in 1983 on a countless occasions, as well as Perkins Powell. So we were we were bonding with Jeff back then, too. Um, but, you know, the four guys in Armored Saint, um, Jeff, Phil and Gonzo, who are, of course, brothers, and myself and Joey, we grew up in about a quarter-mile radius from one another in a little town in East L.A. called El Sereno, and here in Los Angeles, and we were friends and going to elementary school when we were like eight and nine years old. Wow. And so our relationship is over 40 years together as just friends beyond the band. Um, and I do, I do find it to be a real awesome circumstance that we are the same guys. I mean, obviously Dave is the, the one exception and um, we miss Dave and, you know, I always feel like Dave is, his presence is there all the time anyway. And if he was there, then we would have to go for the, to the outlaws maiden vibe and, and have three guitar players because yeah. I don't, we, it, it would just be right. But uh, of course, you know, he, he died a long time ago, but, um, I think that's one of the, the, the beautiful aspects of, of armored saying it. it is, a, it is the same guys, you know, it's, yeah. it's the same dudes who were part of just about every record. And, um, you know, when these songs are played, it's not like, you know, yeah, I can, I can learn that song. It's, I know that song. I'm part of that song, you know? And, um, it's pretty rare, especially for a band that has been around as long as we have. We have that, you know, it's the same guys. Um, and I, I dig that, you know, I think that's, it's just, a, it's a beautiful thing. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's funny. We get along quite better now than we ever did. Maybe it's a sign of maturity or, or just our old age. Right. Um, you know, but uh, I think everyone is uh, respects everybody else and their space, and um, you know, we we kind of know our roles, and um, everybody kind of just uh, deals with that in the proper way. And um, you know, Armored Saint, it's the, it's the same dudes, it really is. So um, it's cool. I really, uh, I think that's one of the greatest aspects of the band. Cool, absolutely. And on that note, uh, we'll wrap things up, John. Thank you so much for joining us on on talking metal thanks mark all right take care all right have a nice night you too bye bye
Aftermath Live by Armored Saint, new Armored Saint, off the new live record. Check that out. We'll have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. 
Um, you can go over to Amazon and download that or buy the physical copy using our Amazon links. That, of course, helps us out, guys. We need support. We really do to keep this thing going. Um, we're going through behind the scenes right now some some interesting changes, uh, which hopefully I'll get into coming up sooner or later. I don't know how they're all going to pan out for us here on the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, it's got me curious. Um, lot, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of talk, a lot of uh, possible new paths for the for the uh, Talking Metal show here. So I'll keep you posted as soon as I have some more definitive info because I don't right now and, and things are a little up in the air. And yeah, it's got me a little, a little nervous about things. Um, and, you know, hearing from you guys, getting your support, if it's a, a, a review on the iTunes, um, you know, I, iTunes uh, homepage that we have there or a PayPal donation or just simply using our Amazon links to link over to Amazon and go about making your regular Amazon purchases. All that is extremely helpful. Following us on Twitter, uh, sending me a Facebook request to, to be my friend on Facebook uh, is also great. I love connecting with you guys. And uh, I appreciate everything you've uh, done for us here on Talking Metal. Uh, yeah, John Bush, wh- how great was that? I love talking with that guy. You know, I'd interviewed him actually once behind the scenes on Talking Metal. Uh, no, what am I saying? On That Metal Show, when I was the coordinating producer on the final season of That Metal Show. Got to interview him and Joey doing, you know, doing the backstage interviews. Uh, before they went out and spoke with Don, Jim, and Eddie. I was a guy who did all the kind of online content with the guests backstage. So it was great talking with um, those guys then, but it was even better. I mean, John, John just really seemed like he was in a great mood on this phone call, more relaxed than I feel he was when when I, I had him backstage at that metal show, which is always everything's all frantic and a little hectic because it's a, a TV show, you know. So, anyways, I, I just really enjoyed talking with John this eve uh, on this episode. So, thanks for listening and thanks to you, John. Please support Armored Saint if you don't have the uh, most re- most recent studio album. Definitely check it out. It's called Win Hands Down. And it is just an awesome record. And, of course, this new live record will be out real soon, so be on the lookout for that, too. A guy who I've loved since he was in Caius way back in the day, and, and, you know, I I really was a Caius fan. I kind of got into them at the tail end of their their career. I'd gotten a free promotional Caius record uh, when I was at at working at VH1 and really dug them and Tool started covering one of their songs. And then of course, Queens of the Stone Age came along and that even because Nick and Josh were in Queens of the Stone Age and formerly of the band Caius, that really caused me to go back and even dive deeper into the Caius catalog. And man, what a voice on their singer Caius, of course, the lead singer of Caius, John Garcia, so much great stuff he put out back with them and not only with them just through the years i mean this guy has continued to have band after band after band after album after album after album and 
you know, he's, he's not quite on the same level, obviously, as a guy like, like, like Josh from Queens of the Stone Age, who is out there filling really big theaters and playing to really big crowds and is able to make his living solely off of music. That's what Josh is able to do. John, it's a different story. And sometimes I, I I mean, you gotta have so much respect for a guy who goes and holds down a day job, but still is out there being an artist and giving us great, great art. I mean, I, I'm really impressed by this new acoustic record that John is putting out. And again, I went into it with reservations, knowing that he was redoing some of the old Caius classics. But when I heard them, wow, blown away. And uh, if you if all you have ears for is sludgy guitars, big, you know, sludgy, loud guitars, this might not be the record for you, honestly. But if you are able to enjoy mellower style more haunting style music this is a real gem this record you know kind of remembers it reminds me of you know Alice in Chains they had the first two records came out that were very heavy and then they put out that sap kind of acoustic record that was real haunting and stuff kind of a similar thing here you know John's John's doing a little bit something a little bit different musically and he succeeds uh, in my book so this interview starts off uh, a little abrupt, abruptly. You know, usually when I start my interviews, I'm like, hey, it's Mark from Talking Metal, and on the line we have blah, blah, blah. Um, John just immediately started talking as soon as he picked up the telephone when I called him. And luckily I had already hit record, at least I think I hit record, um, right at the very beginning. You might miss the first couple words. I don't, I don't think so, though. But anyways, I didn't want to just because he started really getting into it like from the get-go I didn't want to like say okay John now we're going to do the real interview so I kind of just rolled with it so just letting you guys know that and it's a great interview John, uh, John Garcia great guy a little little bit of hum or buzz on the phone line I'm going to try to clean that out the best I can for you guys but just uh, letting you know you might hear that a little bit but nothing too bad nothing that'll distract from the interview and on that note, let's go into some classic Caius right now, and then we will um, round things out by hearing some some of John's new music off the new acoustic record that he has coming out, which is called The Coyote Who Spoke in Tongues. Again, this comes out next week, actually just in a few days. I think this, this actually comes out this Friday, so just in a few days. Check it out, okay? All right. Little uh, old school Caius with Demon Cleaner here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with John Garcia from the band Caius. Now just going solo with uh, with uh, you know John Garcia is uh, the the way he releases this new record that's coming out the acoustic record. He actually had one under just the John Garcia name a few years back, but. Yeah, so this will be the second record that he releases as John Garcia. But again, right now, Old School Caius here on Talking Metal, followed by my interview with John Garcia.
expecting your phone call. Thanks for uh, speaking with us. Cool. Uh, the album Absolutely. sounds great. Yeah, really digging it. Oh, thanks, man. You know, Mark, it's it's not for it's not for everybody. You know, uh, it, you know, people are accustomed to hearing, you know, fuzzed out, distorted out. You know, heavy duty, not super heavy, but rock music. You know, in general, and and uh, so I'm getting critiqued and criticized, and you know, uh, you know, um, but. I'm used to it, so it's it's uh, it is what it is. And um, uh, you know, Aaron, I thought my guitar player did an incredible job uh, showing the songs. Some of these Caius cover songs, an incredible amount of respect, and uh, it was great and actually an honor to work with him and writing some new material uh, as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, definitely. There's a lot to talk to talk about uh, here. And you the Kaya songs, the new material. Um, let Let's start right there. How much of the record is old Kaya stuff uh, reinvented, and how much of it is brand new material? Okay, so uh, it's about uh, almost half and half. Uh, we did four four Kaya songs. Three of them are cover songs, really. Brent Bjork wrote Green Machine. He wrote Gardenia. Those two songs, um, if, if you're familiar with those two, sure. um, they're hard, heavy, uh, a lot meaner. So to do them on the opposite side of the spectrum, where they're much softer, it's it's a, it's just a totally different take. Uh, one acoustically, and two, they're not even being you know played similar, with the exception of you know the the, the lyric and the lyric melody. Um, challenging, something that I've wanted to do. Um, uh, why? Uh, just because I wanted to, really. Um, as far as Space Cadet is concerned, um, that Caius uh, cover written by Josh and, and, and Scott, um, I never really liked the take I did, uh, you know, as a, as a 20-something-year-old, uh, the original version, and this was my way of, of me kind of uh, a little bit of self-redemption, uh, if you will, for that track. Um, El Rodeo, um, doing it acoustically was a challenge, uh, along with Ronnie King on keyboards. Um, and that song is just enjoyable to sing. Uh, you know, Aaron and I wrote, uh, you know, uh, Kylie, Give Me 250 ML, The Hollingsworth Session, uh, 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 Court Order, uh, and there's uh, another one from my debut track, which is live, uh, debut record, which is uh, live. It's called The Boulevard. So, uh, just uh, you know, it's not something that I wanted to you know check off the bucket list. I'm you know be 47 years old. I'm slowing down. Want to do acoustic record? Nothing like that. It was more of uh, more of just because uh, you know I-, I wanted to try some stuff acoustically live. It wound up working out really great. Aaron and I had a, a drink from the you know from Europe on the way to the United States, and we said, why don't we do a record of pretty much our set? And that's exactly what it is, pretty much. Cool. Now, to kind of break it down as far as the actual songs go, I mean, the, the remake of Gardenia, just just haunting. I mean, when I heard that, you know, because I have to admit, going into this, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for acoustic covers <laughs> of the of the Kaya stuff. And I, I, think, I think Nick sure. had done a, a couple acoustic covers of some Kaya stuff, which I thought was okay, but it didn't really grab me that much no disrespect towards him but um 
these, like the Gardenia one, as soon as that acoustic guitar came in with that just haunting sound, I, I, I really, it really pulled me in. I mean, you mentioned really some of the stuff is just the vocal melody that's that's the, the same as the old Kaya songs. How how difficult was these this to rearrange some of these older songs? You know, Mark, that was the the enjoyable part of of working it out, and that's exactly what we did was just work it out. We we sat down, you know, with a with a bottle of vodka and like we do in Aaron's nice. place and in Palm Springs and and. We just started trying um, different ideas, and and Aaron, um, long help. I, I've got I've got to give credit where credit is due. A, a lot of some of these the, the slower version of Gardenia and 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 Green Machine, that was really the the, the tempo was really pushed uh, by um, one of the producers of the record, Harper Hug. He just said, you know, slower, 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 right. and we were kind of questioning it, and and then after hearing it. Um, we said, you know what? Let's 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 do it, but let's slow it down even more, and let's turn it into something completely and totally different. And that was the enjoyable part of 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 uh, doing so. So it wasn't it wasn't difficult. It was more of just working it out. Some songs um, we tried, even Tangy Zizzle, we we tried, which is an old Kaya song. We tried that one. It didn't work out. Um, even an old Hermano song. Um, uh, it didn't work out. We went in the studio with, you know, close to 15, expecting and knowing that we'd only push maybe, you know, eight or nine, you know, 45, 48 minutes worth of music. So um, that's always, we always go in with more, um, expecting ones just not to make it. So, um, but, you know, it, it, even though it was enjoyable, it, it's not something that we were accustomed to going in the studio and recording uh, an acoustic record. So we went in with the mindset of, of keeping it very, very simple. Three guitars, really. Uh, one nylon, one 12-string uh, steel, one six-string steel. And <clears throat> we kept it simple. There's some right. blending in there. There's, there's some uh, percussion, some, some bass, and you know, some keyboards from this uh, super badass guy by the name of Ronnie King. Um, Sounds like a little uh, organ on, on Space Cadet. Is that yeah. Like or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different keys and pianos and a lot of different little percussion sounds that we kind of added for nuances and whatnot. But um, you know, uh, so yeah, it was that was we kept it simple. We tried to keep it as simple as we could and let the music really speak for itself. And don't fill up the the song with vocals. Let the song breathe. Let it hang. Let it do it. So you know, again, Mark. Uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm, I'm used to, you know, critiques and comments, and, and this record's not for everybody. It's not going to be a record that you put on on a Saturday night and you open up a bottle of Jack Daniels and you, and you rage right. and party to it. It's, not <laughs> right. it's more of, you know, you, you, this is more of your, uh, you, you know, you're driving down Route 66 and, and you, you know, want to throw, you know, throw on some tunes, and, and this is what it's there for. So, you know, it, it was a great experimentation and, and um uh, it just being explorative, and that's exactly what it was. It was just us, Aaron, and I being explorative, and th- I think he did a great job. Aaron doesn't get enough credit uh, for um, for what he did, and I, I certainly want to, you know, let everybody know that who, you know, listens or reads uh, this thing that um, that you know Aaron Groban is is a, a huge part of the writing force, and and uh, we're continuing to write for the new Electric record, so uh, we're already on to. Uh, bigger and better things. Wow. So there's a, an electric record coming at some point down the road. 
Yeah, uh, uh, we're about three quarters of the way done with it, and so we're just finding the time to. Actually, that's always hard finding enough time to go in and and be with the guys. Uh, everybody has families and and full time jobs, including me. So uh, when we get a chance to go in there, we we always jump at the opportunity. All of our spare time is devoted to it. Nice, cool. And the music video for uh, Kylie is is great. Uh, total concept video, if you will. Were you involved in coming up with the storyline, the concept behind the video? Actually, no, I was not. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't even on set. I, I actually gave the 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 palette to to Douglas Quill, um, who directed uh, some stuff for me in the past, and and I love his eye. Um, you know, he it, it's he, he wanted to you know uh, address a couple th- you know some some domestic violence, and then he threw in some some sacrificial you know uh, nuances in there with the girl escaping for for, right. for with, with her life and. And, you know, I, I let him have it. I let him have free reign. And I said, you know, Doug, I said, I don't know if you want, you know, some performance pieces in there. Just let us know. We're, we're, we're on call. We're ready for you. And, and uh, anytime he needs to come up to L.A. But he wound up coming out here, um, didn't even know about it. And, again, I just gave him free reign. Um, I dig it. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, you know, we don't have time to touch upon every single song. But the what what's the... The Howlingsworth session about what? What is that song actually about? So, you know, Mark, I'm I, I, I don't I don't claim to be a poet by by any means, um, uh, and my lyrics are my lyrics are are, are, are abstract. Um, right. So, you know, uh, I, I I try not to. I, I the the every even Kylie will mean something obviously totally different to me than what Douglas Quill thought. Um, so the the Hollingsworth session really was um, that's my it's my actually it's my grandfather's uh, name his last name uh, he's his name was Marshall Hollingsworth and uh, you know uh, there was some feelings of family and and him passing that went along. With that songs and uh, that song and and how it, it evokes some some memories um, with me and 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 and, and Marshall. Um, so you know, but I I don't try to have, nor will I ever want anybody to say this is what the song's about. Basically, if if a song makes you feel, and hopefully some of these do evoke some feelings um, of washing your day off, whether you had a horrible day or or. Uh, or, or, or you want to escape, if only for 45 minutes. Um, that's what this record's for. It's about taking, leaving reality, if you will, and and having it take you wherever it takes you. Right. Um, so I, I, I try not to, I try not to, you know, let the cat out of the bag too much. But it, it does. There are some personal feelings um, in in regards to that piece. Uh, but uh, you know, I never. No one's asked me that question today. Today's been a, a press day, and, and nobody's asked me. So, uh, you know, lo- looking at some of what, you know, your questions are, me having to really kind of search for an answer, it's 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 bizarre for me right. because I, I sometimes I don't know how to answer some of these questions because I've never been asked, uh, you know, what is this what is this this session about? Well, uh, a session with with uh, with my with my uh, you know, dear grandfather Marshall Hollingsworth. Sure. So, 
Cool. Well, again, to my listeners, we are talking with John Garcia about the new album, The Coyote Who Spoke in Tongues. And of course, we mentioned earlier one of the songs that is reinvented, remade, is the song Gardenia, an old Caius classic. And I think this new remake that you do is just a, a great version uh, and very different version and haunting, like I said. I, that song, you know, I, I always thought it was a little odd, and I wanted to get your take on this. This is a kind of off-the-beating-path question here. You know, your former bandmate in Caius, Josh, did a record with Iggy Pop um, not, not that long ago, and there was a song on the record, a different song than the old Caius song, called Gardenia, and uh, wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. I don't know if you know that, or, or if you had any insight to that. Is it just a coincidence, or, or what? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I hear that record is great, um, and I've heard bits and pieces of, of that uh, Gardenia song, but um, I, don't, I don't think that there's any connection, honestly. Uh, but uh, that's, that's a question for Iggy or, or Josh, but, I, you know, I personally would think that, and I'm not 100% sure that there's, that there's no co- connection, that's just a coincidence. Right, right on. And, you know, I, I saw you with uh, Caius Lives uh, uh, twice, actually. I saw you in New York, New York City, and then I saw you out in Montclair, New Jersey, and was really digging what you were doing with that band, kind of bringing us back to uh, the Caius stuff. And I know after that you went on to uh, uh, Vesta Chino, which featured Brant and Nick. And uh, do, do you hear from Brant or Nick much anymore? You're still in contact with them? Um, not, not too much. Right. Uh, I think they're, they're busy with their, with their projects. And, and, uh, I know those guys are, those guys are the, they're the real deal, you know, and, and music is their life. Um, and that's all they do. Right. Um, so, but I, 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 I you know, I don't stay in contact, uh, too much with them anymore. And I just wish, you know, wish them all the best. And, you know, uh, for me, um, I've got a full-time job. Uh, you know, I, I help run uh, an animal hospital here in Palm Springs, and, oh, cool. and uh, so. But uh, you know, again, all my spare time is devoted to to, to music. And but uh, again, I, I wish those guys nothing but the best. Right on. And you know, th- through the years, you've had a, a lot of different bands that you've been in and been involved with. And uh, I guess it was three or four years ago where you started releasing music under just your name, John Garcia. Uh, has that been a easier thing for you to do to not kind of have a band and be a solo artist and name? I know you're working with other people, but is there a benefit to just using your name and not having a band name? Absolutely. Absolutely. One, I've always wanted to do it and there's an incredible amount of freedom um, uh, when it comes to the direction that, you know, I want to go to. If I want to, you know, listen to, you know, Kylie Tiella through a six-band EQ versus a 12-band EQ, it's done. And there's no question. Right. There, there's, there's producers involved that will, that will maybe rule against it, but ultimately it's my decision. So I really enjoy the fact that and there's an incredible amount of freedom with it. And, you know, I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, um, you know, and it, it's, it's liberating. So I like this path that I'm on. And, you know, this acoustic record was, was a surprise um, but it's just, it's just an ode to having that freedom 
and being able to, to, to do what I want to do. And there's no rules. Um, there's no directions in regards to, to my life and uh, or what songs I can and cannot put on a record. It's my God-given right to 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 uh, record and 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 sing any song that I want to sing. Um, you know, as long as I give where credit credit is due, and I and I do do that. Um, that my my path is, is very different than than you know any any other musician. Um, but uh, I, I certainly. I'm still a fan, Mark. You know, I'm still a fan of music. Right. I still listen to music loud in my car. I still am genuinely enjoy playing and writing with Aaron. Aaron's a great, uh, great songwriter, great guitar player, and again, he 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 takes he needs to get a lot of credit for some of these songs. He co-wrote these songs, these newer ones. The you know the Hollingsworth session chord. You know, he even did chord order. Chord order is an instrumental track on on my record, and he wrote it. Right. Well, why did I put you know somebody else's song on there? Well. Um, there were supposed to be lyrics originally to that music, but it wound up ruining the song. So we pulled them, and um, again, he deserves a ton of credit. But uh, to, to, sorry for that long-winded answer. But yes, an incredible amount of freedom, and, and I and I and I'm not planning on, on deviating from from this path at all anytime in the near future. Now, do you think you and, and Aaron will get out on the road to to do acoustic sets and promote the record? Is that in we the, will. the yeah, okay? Cool. Yes. Come March, March, we're gonna, you know, it's got, Mark, it's got to make sense in in every single way, including financial, financially. So, Europe, there's a, a bigger market where we we can able, we're able to go over there and tour, and and not go broke doing it. Um, when you have two kids, um, and you know, you you, it's got to make sense in every single way. A lot of I get a lot of comments and criticism. Why don't I tour in the states? Well, I can't. I have to pay to play. Right. And I, I'm by, by any means, I, am I am I rich, um, and so it, it it doesn't make sense. So, but yet we still want to tour. You know, I'm not making millions of dollars. You know, and hundreds or tens of thousands of dollars with with even a European tour. But at least it does make a little bit more sense to go over there and help support it. And plus, there's there's a market for it over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in even in my hometown, um, I'd be lucky to get ten people. Right. You know, so it's it's it just makes makes more sense. So we're going to go over to Europe in in, in March, and then we're going to go back over in April uh, with the full band and test out some of these newer songs that we're writing for the new electric record, and uh, we're going to take it from there. Cool. One last question for you, John. Um, when you know, with Caius, you guys put out a bunch of records, and and you toured, and you worked hard on what you were doing back then. But it seems like the if you will, the legend of Caius and the popularity of the band really seemed to grow after the band had stopped broke existing. Up. Yeah, broke up. And I guess my question to you is, how how does that make you feel? Is that something that is like, well, awesome, finally people are catching on to it? Or was it frustrating being that, that it took people a long time to kind of come to the the you know to Caius and you guys weren't even yeah. around after after you know people started really sure. really raving about you guys like where were all these fucking people when we were together type yeah. of attitude and we yes. I, I have I have thought about that but you know it's like I think it's more of um, I don't know there, there's a there's some different views but if if a Frank Kozik poster goes out of print um, I think it becomes more valuable and people really want it, really want that piece. Um, so it's, it's, 
it's almost like that. But I'm I'm appreciative of the fact that kids are still passing, you know, uh, what used to be tapes, but now MP3s or, or records. Now they're still they're still handing that stuff down. Hey, have you heard this band? Have you heard this band? And I certainly still do that to this day. Hey, trip out on this band. Have you heard this song from from Sugar Tooth? I didn't know it was on the B side, or you know. And it's Caius is, was lucky is lucky enough to to be still kind of thrown around and, and passed around via MP3 or CDs or, or records. And I, I, I'm, I'm very lucky and very appreciative to the fact that people still dig that music and I'll always be known for the singer, guys. I, I know that. Uh, and I, 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 I'm, again, very appreciative of, and, and just grateful and really blessed by, by having been part of that, that band, especially when uh, Brent and Josh were together as a writing force. That was the... That was really cool to see those two guys working together. That was the special part for me and Caius, seeing those two guys in Josh's bedroom or in Brent's bedroom really working things out. That was special. And wow. To be a part of that, um, is, I'm, I'm super grateful. Awesome. Great stuff. John, it's been great talking with you. And again, the new record, The Coyote Who Spoke in Tongues, uh, it'll most likely be out by the time we have this posted on the website. So to the listeners, please go check it out. We'll have links up in today's show notes where you can go purchase it and download it on Amazon.com. And uh, yeah, John, have a great afternoon. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Have a great evening. Best of luck. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye.
Kylie by John Garcia. That is off the new acoustic record, which, again, is called The Coyote Who Spoke in Tongues. Check that out. It'll be out in just a couple days, so definitely go buy it. We'll have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll end things here with a email. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to let you know I'm a big fan all the way from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. If I may, I would like to request a song to be played at at one of the episodes. It's from a really underground progressive metal band from Brazil. The guys are all virtuosos, and the production is just unbelievable. The song is Brutal Behavior from the band Jack the Joker. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. It's from their second album, Moore's Volta, one of my favorites of 2016. Hope you and the listeners like it. Cheers from Milton. Hey, Milton, uh, greetings. Hope all's well down there in Brazil. Let me just pop on to iTunes and make sure I can actually buy this tune and play it for you guys. Jack the Joker... Let's check this out. I don't know this band, so I'm kind of anxious to hear this myself. Oh, here we go. In the rabbit hole. In the rabbit hole by Jack. The Joker is a record that came out in 2014. Oh, here we go. Moore's Volta. 
came out in 2016 and brutal behavior here it is i'm downloading it right now and we're gonna end today's episode with this this will be my first time hearing it right along with you guys let's check it out right now a little jack the joker here on talking metal Exactly easy and even sacrifice my life getting soon. Show me the breaking. I've been stuck about decade. Thanks to my goodness, treating you within a lot of praise. That's 